I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Jules Walker, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. Today, we are talking to Jules Walker, aka Velocity Girl. We discuss the book, Back in the Frame, Tatty Divine, Depression, Race. Please enjoy. The Wheel Suckers podcast is forged in the studios of Wardour in the phantasmical Fitzrovia, London. Wardour Studios love recording podcasts. We do a podcast. Why don't you stop talking about it and start doing it? I'm Alex. I'm your captain. And I look after social media, marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, a cycle cafe bar workshop on 49 Old Street, London. We serve coffee, bikes, beer, food. And I'm joined by my stoker. Jenny's in the back. I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We teach people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant wag nights. And today, we're here with Jules Walker, Lady Velo. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's start with an origin story, because there may be some people that don't know about... Because your, your blog's Velo City Girl. Yes. I went on there and saw you started it in 2010. Yeah, eight years ago, which feels like it's gone by in a whirl. So it's kind of crazy to think that I've been doing it for that long and what it's turned into and what it's brought me in the nicest way. So, yeah, it's been a massive chunk of my life. And it started because you bought a Pashley Princess? Yes, yes. I got a Pashley Princess, which was at the time the bike of my dreams that I'd wanted for... Well, forever, basically. And I got it through the cycle to work scheme with my old employer that I worked with, which was the University of East London, because I couldn't have afforded it outright otherwise. So it was a saviour to be able to get it that way. And the blog came about at the same time as well. Did you want to do a blog specifically about riding a bike, getting on your bike the first time? Is that what was it was about? Yeah, I mean, I, I did. It was an extension of the journal keeping that I've always done. So I literally have a box of diaries that I've kept since I was about 10 or 11 years old. So if ever things happen, maybe one day they'll all get published and you can see some embarrassing stories about me in my past. <laughs> but <Yes>. I used to... <laughs> All of my crushes and everything are written oh down God. in there. But but I used to blog before Velo City Girl as well. So I'm a very, very old school OG blogger. So I had a blog called The Black Barbie Experience that I used to write on, which is buried away on the internet, but I may need to, to release it because I've talked about it quite a lot over cool. the past year or so. So it's probably going to have to go back out there. But 
Uh, Velo City Girl felt like a natural progression, even though I wanted to carry on blogging and talking about my adventures on a bike and just getting back into cycling as an older woman. Black Barbie experience just didn't feel like the place to do it. So it was like starting a whole new journal and a whole new chapter in my life. So Velo City Girl happened. That was after having a 10-year absence on the saddle, so you'd been riding before. Yeah, yeah. I used to ride when I was younger. Nothing like competitive. It was literally just a, a kid being on a bike. I used to ride around with my friends and I had my sister's rally burner, which was the hand-me-down that I got, which I used to love riding around on. And by the time I was 18 years old, I'd stopped cycling, which was a shame. And it was that classic thing that tends to happen to lots of young young women, you know, your friends aren't doing it anymore. It doesn't seem like it's cool. You don't feel that comfortable or confident doing it also. So you just kind of fall out with it. And I was one of those girls that that happened to. And I missed it for those those 10 years that I wasn't on a bike for. I really, really missed it. And it took me until I was 28 to be like, right, I'm, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to get back into it. That story sounds really familiar. Mm. Same for me. Like, you just stop. You had and that it's, re- it's just really sad because it's like... That period, I think when you're in your early 20s, is yeah. probably when you could really use yes. a bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how, how I felt, but I'd, I'd find excuses at the same time. So, you know, it was like, oh, when I was going to college, it was only in Walthamstow, it was a, a bus journey away. So, you know, it's fine. I could just get the, the 69 or the 97 bus straight up to, to Chingford Mount. When I was going to university, I went to University of Greenwich. It's just on the DLR, so I can just hop on it and do it. And all the time I was thinking these were actually bike rides that I could have been doing during all that time. And I just, I let it go, which was such a shame. And I missed it so much. And I was just like, I've, I've got to do this again. So it happened. I think there's nothing better than having a bit of time apart from it, though. I had a small period where I didn't cycle. Then I moved to Cambridge and that's everybody was cycling yeah. there. So that helped me get back into it. Yeah. I feel like you do need a community or at least one or two other people. Because if you are the only one cycling, it really sucks. It can <laughs> feel pretty good. Because <laughs> you're like, all right, bye, everybody. I'll see you there and you'll be there in about yeah. an hour. Yeah. So I'll see just sit and wait for you. Yeah. But it, it can feel really lonely, especially, like I said, when, you know, your, your friends that used to ride with you have kind of fallen out of love with it as well and you're not in a cycling community anymore when I was at uni there were a few people that cycled but it wasn't a big thing like I can imagine at at Cambridge especially I've been there and seen what the cycling culture is like everybody cycles it's insane yeah (laughs) but it wasn't like that at, at Greenwich and I guess that kind of allowed me to not miss it or not feel guilty if that's the right word to use about not doing it but it was still like burning in my heart that I wanted to get back on the saddle again but it took a little while but I got there in the end so yeah (laughs) hooray (laughs) maybe we talk about how you got into cycling in the first place yeah it was through my um my older sister my older sister is the one who's responsible for me getting on a bike because I used to watch her when she was riding there's a eight-year difference between us And she was always pretty damn cool on her bike as well. And she used to go out riding with her mates. Same thing happened with her that when they got to a certain age, it just stopped. But in that time, her riding around on that rally burner always looked amazing. And I always wanted to go out riding with my sister. She was cooler than me, so it never happened. And she was older than me, so it never happened at the time. But she was one of the the big motivations for me to want to get into it when I was, was a kid. Before that, 
I had my little tricycle that I used to ride around on and terrorize people at home on it. So I apologize to my brother, sister, mum and dad for running into their shins and toes <laughs> all the time when I was little because that's the, the crap that they used to have to put up with with me just like tearing around the house. But I'd always had it in me, even though, like I say, I've never done it to a competitive level. I'd always enjoyed being on on wheels. And so the progression of getting my sister's bike when she stopped riding, because my parents couldn't have afforded to buy me a bike outright. So it was a blessing that that hand-me-down happened. That was my baby. And that was that was my joy. And that's why it was such a shock that I got to the point where I was like, no, I, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I didn't think that was going to happen. I saw that happen with my sister and I was like, that's not going to be me. I'm still going to be riding well into like my 20s, like when I was thinking to myself that I'll be older and maybe a bit more ancient, that I would still be riding around. And I was like, no, 18 just came to, to a halt. So Glad you're back on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Welcome back. You Thank have, you. You have more bikes now. I have more bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I have more bikes. I've been through a period where there's been too many bikes in the house. And because Ian, my boyfriend, cycles as well, the bike collection gets a bit insane. So I have the Pashley, which was supposed to be the only bike that I was going to, to get because once I got it, that was my dream. Then I ended up getting my Colorbolt, which is a, a single speed beauty of a bike that I really enjoy riding around on. So there's not as much like pack horse storage options on it. So it's basically my bike to, to zip around town on. Then I ended up getting into road cycling, which I didn't think was going to happen, but it did. So then I got my Apria, which is my carbon fiber road bike. And then I have a liver veil hiding in my cupboard still as well. So another road bike that I'm supposed to be riding around on. So there's the four bikes. A secret road bike. Secret road bike. <laughs> it's kept in the cupboard. It's actually, you stay in the cupboard it's and think about cupboard what you It's in the cupboard and I need to take it. It's terrible that it's been there for so long. And it's just like, right, I actually need to go out and be riding on this. So, you know, I have to put the other bikes to the side and just be like, right, go out riding. But yeah, there's been other bikes that have come and gone in between. So I had a fixed gear Clubman from Pashley, which I had for about 18 months that I absolutely adored riding as well. And the funny thing with that is as soon as I told people that I was going to be riding fixed and I'd never done it before, it was always met with the, you sure you want to do that? You sure you're oh. going to enjoy it? You, you know, do you know what you're the letting yourself sucking. in for? And I was just like, yeah, it's going to be fun. This is just it. Either I'm going to like it or I'm going to hate it. Yeah, and I absolutely it. loved it. So, yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. I've been riding fixed for like seven years, maybe. And I just, it's so easy. I love it. See, this is the thing with my colour bowl. As I learned as well when I did a basic bike maintenance course at London Bike Kitchen. Flip the, the, the colour bowl. I could flip it and I could make it fixed. I haven't done that yet. I'm still enjoying riding at single speed. But if I wanted to do that, the option is there. So, yeah. It's but, nice to know. Yeah. But it, I can do it. The last time I did fix was when I was in the velodrome which was a lot of fun as well so that was something I never expected to do and really enjoyed it so it's always uh, an education being on a bike basically always learn something new there's different ways of acting on the bicycle yeah. using it you know yeah velodrome's an amazing experience it's just like you can go as fast as you want 
There's no cars. And but it's so going. windy. You know, you're like, ah, where's this wind come from? <laughs> it was a great experience. And just as you said that, you know, there's there's different ways that you act and you feel on a bike. It's, you know, the way how I am on a Pashley is completely different from how I would be on my road bike. And it's really crazy to think that I never thought I would do anything beyond being on the Pashley as well. So that's one of the joyous things about cycling is there's so much of it to try. You think you've done it all and then something else comes along and teaches you something new. Learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always used to say it's a terrible thing to say, but like bikes are like shoes. You can just have all different types of shoes. Why do you need so many? I'm like, well, I need this one to pop around town. I mm-hmm. need this one to go really far. Yeah. I need this one to fix. This yeah. one for blah, blah, blah. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. The the one bike that I don't have is a, a beta bike or a pub bike. I keep on promising myself that that's going to happen. And I want to get to the point where I actually do build your we'll build own. Again, with London Bike Kitchen, that I'll be able to do that. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, Ian, he has a, a beta bike, which when you see it, is not a beta bike at all. That it was this wonderful rally that he got. And he's put different components and parts on it. And now it's like one of his precious bikes. And I know that's what I'm going to be like, that it's supposed to be a beta, but it's going to turn into something that I'm just like, oh, my precious, I love you. So, you know, it's... um You're not a beta to me. No. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, though, because like I rode my, my pub bike here and actually that's like my... I always I would, yeah. You've been on that quite a lot. Now. I would be so sad. <laughs> yeah. It's just this mixty Claude Butler. It's janky. Like I just put a shopping basket on the front. And yeah. I love it, and it becomes oh. one of your your, your babies. Yeah. So it can't be helped. I have to add, it is literally a shopping basket. Yeah. Like that is really a shopping basket. Really a sh- <laughs> still got the handles on it. Oh, this is excellent. I love it. This I'll put brilliant. a link below because everybody needs to appreciate up. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at it. Like, how do you feel the bike scene has changed over the years? Oh, gosh. And maybe alongside Velo City Girl as yeah. well. Like kind of. Well, in the eight years that I've been on a bike, doing the blog, seeing everything happening, it's been a huge change from what I knew of it as a, a teenager to the point that we're at now. You know, one of my biggest educations with it was the people that I, I met and the different kinds of people that you'll find within cycling culture too. So like with a lot of marketing that I saw, especially at the time when I wasn't cycling, and even though it still happens now, there's a very particular sort of set and a scene that's portrayed with with cycling that kind of looks like it's the the space for somebody like me not to to be in, which is quite off-putting. You go beyond that and you go into the different pockets of cycling culture that exist, not just within London, but just across the the country as well, because the wonderful thing about cycling and doing the blog is that it's enabled me to go to places that I would never have thought to go to, meet people that I never have thought I'd have ever crossed paths with as well, and just learn different things about it. So, you know, I still remember my early days, I think around about the time I started cycling was the time that Look Mum No Hands had opened up as well. That was mind-blowing for me. I know it took me a while to come into Look Mum No Hands because there was that thought of, is this going to be for me? Am I a proper cyclist? Is it all right that I'm riding around on a Pashley? And it was just like, yep, everybody's welcome. And and that's the, the, the thing with cycling it should feel like that for everybody, that you feel like that it's a welcome space for you to, to be in because it's just getting on a bike, riding around town or whatnot. 
but they're just all of these wonderful pockets and groups of people that you end up meeting the wonderful thing about cycling culture as well is that you're you're never going to meet everybody in cycling and you're never going to come to the end of the line where you're like right I've learned everything there is to to know about cycling I understand how the scene works perfectly and I don't even like thinking of it as a scene it's just like one massive community all over the country all over the world you just get in tune with these people which is great but it feels like it's it's very open to, to come into that's what I found anyway when I um when I started riding that the cycling community was very welcoming and very encouraging too you know there are so many grassroots movements and communities out there in cycling too which is amazing to see that it's not just all big brands and a particular kind of marketing and that's all there is to cycling and you know the more people embrace that the more people will see that more doors can be opened in that sense as well so I've seen positive changes with it. I have seen some very positive changes over my time. I was going to add, there's a funny thing about Look Mom online. We just get so many people like, I don't have a bike and I don't cycle. Am I allowed to come in? (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. You're like, yes, you are allowed. Yeah. Like there's a doorman. Oh, like. This guy is like. No wheels, no entry. Sorry. (laughs) Seems your name's not down. Yeah, your your shoes aren't clicking when you're walking. (laughs) So, you know, sorry, sir. Can't come in, but. You know, like I said, it, it took me a little while to get the guts to come into to look, Mum, which sounds insane because it's like a second home for me now. But there is still that thought of mm, maybe it's not for me. Maybe this isn't this isn't my place. But but it is, and you know, you see other like cycling cafes and places like that popping up too. Again, a positive movement within cycling culture and the cycling community, which I'm all for. I'm like nodding. <laughs> yes, 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 um, yes. Frequent nodding. So we'll go into you've hosted various talks at Look Mum. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight that because we've done some really interesting ones, like yeah. the How to Market to Women in Cycling. I mean, yeah. that was a good one a long time ago, but that was it was so interesting. You know, everything everybody was highlighting and what we were talking about, and you're like, God, it is really bad. Mm. <laughs> but it was really good to get everybody to uh, everybody together to talk about it. Then we had the cycling and mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a really moving, yeah. intense... <laughs> I think that, in all honesty, was one of the, the hardest talks that I'd done because I'm pretty frank these days about my own battles, as it were, with living with depression. I never say suffering, I always just say living, so that's that's my thing. But um, that was the first time that I'd sat up on stage and really, really talked about it. And then I'd just think about it knowing that I had a bit of a cry when I was up there as well talking. It was just like, oh, okay. But it was the environment to be able to do that in and having somewhere like Look Mum and that audience felt like a safe space to, to do it and to be comfortable enough to have those conversations alongside the brilliant panellists that I was talking with too everybody had their own take on it because nobody's mental health is going to be the exact carbon copy of someone else's. There's no, you know, one size fits all for what's going to fix it for you in that sense as well. So it was amazing to have such a variation of people talking up there. And, you know, some of us were talking about how exercise and going out cycling was a thing. Others like myself were talking about it saying, it, it's not the fix-all for me as much as cycling is a massive part of my life and pretty much almost defines who I am and what I do. You know, being really frank about the times that I can't even get out of bed and the idea of actually getting on a bike and riding is just like an absolute no-no. And I wasn't like, you know, 
crucified for saying that in a cycling cafe in front of a lot of other cyclists as well. So, you know, it's been brilliant, the the talks that you have there and, you know, giving people the, the space and the platform to have those conversations is important. I think it's really important. It was really refreshing when Sarah approached me about it and she made that little slide of all those really awful, cheesy, like, oh, oh and I yeah. feel blue, I just get on my bike. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> cycling kills me. And, you know, and you're like, that is bullshit. Mm. And I, I thought it was just so refreshing. That was the first thing she wanted to lead in with was even though there is some sort of, not even connection, but there's something there mm. we need to all remember Getting your bike isn't going to always make you feel better. No. And I really appreciate you saying it. And I think I remember Kaz from North London Thundercats Black Metal Bicycle Club said about how she hadn't been cycling for a while. And you think, oh, it's so good to hear other people say that. Yeah. Because there's days where I don't want to cycle. And then you think in the back of your mind, oh, but that's your thing. I had someone say that to me the other day, like, oh, but that's your thing, cycling. Yeah. That's just what you do. That's the rub. That's the rub with it. When, like you say, you have someone saying that's that's your thing, because obviously the two of you, you know, with what you do with London Bike Kitchen and Look Mum No Hands, cycling and you are entwined, that's it. So if you're going to turn around and be bold enough to say, no, this isn't this isn't a I day. Like other stuff. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and it's like, oh, and you know, I'm doing other things at the moment, which we'll talk about. I'm sure that are not necessarily cycling related, and it's just you know other pockets and facets of me that exist. But what you were just saying about you know the days that you don't want to get on your bike or you want to have a bit of a break from that. You know, I had my six-month hiatus from not riding and I bullshitted my way through the start of that by not telling people the real reason why. So I did a a blog post on it, which was one of the hardest, but one of the best blog posts that I ever done because I was just like, I'm not going to wrap this up anymore and lie about it and have the excuses of, oh, I've got my book deadlines coming up, so I can't go for a ride, or I've got a terrible chest infection, which I did at the time, because my asthma will just take me out, mm-hmm. basically. And it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's too cold for me to go out cycling because it will go straight to my chest and I'll feel really bad. And it's just like, I just didn't, didn't want to get on my bike. I'd fallen out of love with being on a bike and telling people that, you know, it's kind of like telling someone who believes in Santa that it's not real, you know? <laughs> it's just like... It's like, it, kid, you're tired of this shit. <laughs> it's like, as much as, you know, I feel comfortable in the community, there was still something really damn scary about actually turning around and saying the real reason why I didn't want to ride was because I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And I had this moment where I genuinely thought, I've come to the end of my road with this now. If I haven't got the passion and the desire for this, although I still enjoy seeing other people living their best Instagram lives or they're cycling and doing their thing. And it's like, you know, more power to you, more grease to your elbow. But I'm just going to leave my bikes in the cupboard, in the spare room, wherever. I, I can't do it. But I had to talk about it. And it opened the gates for other people to talk about feeling that way too. So, you know. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I really respected that. I think it's really important and useful that we can all be like, you don't have to do this all the time. Oh. It doesn't always have to be your thing. You're allowed to put something down and pick it back up again. Mm. And the problem with cycling is it is such a passionate community <laughs> yeah and you know people take it, it personally yeah. they're like and it's very hard to say like hey i don't feel like it because they're like what <laughs> what do you mean you don't feel like it's cycling? the best thing it'll make you feel better yeah. actually if you do it you'll feel better and you're like oh my god so i think that was really i'll put a link below you know to the piece if anybody needs to read it there's a good article in the latest casket as well about mental health and mm. cycling and I think you've got a little blurb yes. in it uh, sidebar yes. I think it's called I mean, <laughs> in the magazine world uh, and Sarah's interviewed in it and Emily Chappell's done the article mm-hmm. but talking about more of the research that's been done into cycling and mental health and the relationship between the two and then the idea is that these pro cyclists should then be not depressed ever and turns out like yeah you've got pro cyclists that have committed suicide mm. and are struggling with massive mental health issues. So it's not a cure-all. It isn't. No. It is a tool, just like meditation or whatever. That's not going to cure it either. And we have to stop putting it on a pedestal. Yeah, we do. And I wanted to add, I'm going to put a link below because Sarah wants to do another event. Mm -hmm. But also, if anybody listening has a story they want to share, Sarah has a really amazing blog. I think it's Bikes and Brains. But anybody can submit their own personal experiences of cycling and mental health. And if anybody wants to maybe help towards another event happening, that would be really cool. So I'll just put a link below to that. Excellent. I guess we could lead into, we did the Aisha McGowan talk Mm -hmm. twice now. Yes. Amazing, (laughs) really interesting. And I guess, yeah, what else have you been working on? Oh my god, my life has been taken over by doing the book, and it feels like it's the it's the same thing that I keep on saying because that's like pretty much all I'm doing at the moment. So I've got my first book coming out called Back in the Frame, being published by Little Brown, which is all very exciting. And even though I feel like a bit of a wanker saying it, it's um sort of part memoir, part sort of guide as well. So it's not a traditional cycling book in the sense of a lot of the ones that you'll see on the shelf. So I hope it's going to be a refreshing read. Uh, there'll be things other than cycling in it as well. And again, I'm being super frank and super honest about everything that's happened in my life up to to this point or up to the point of it being published. So, you know, there's stories of me, like I said, riding around on that tricycle when I was a, a kid, you know, talking about my sister and what an influence she was on me on cycling when I got into it. 
how I sort of fell out with it, got back into it again, and then what's happened since with Fellow City Girl. Talking about the highs and the lows, some of the brilliant things that have happened, the not so brilliant things that have happened as well, and what I'd learned working in the cycling industry as well, which was one of my so far biggest and ongoing educations. Because, you know, on one hand, I started off the blog, I don't want to say as an outsider, but I wasn't I wasn't in in the industry in that sense that I was doing my blog it was my thing the blog led to me then working for a recycling clothing company and taking me deeper into that world and you know things don't necessarily go the way how you think they're going to so you know sometimes the the path changes and you know you think I have to do something about this if I'm not not happy with with the path I'm on or if you feel like for me, I had to extract myself from being in the industry to feel like I could do something to make a change, which sounds a bit backwards, because if you've got a good position and you're within it, then, of course, you know, the logical thing is, well, you're there, you've, you've got your platform, you do something with it. But for me personally, and I go into it more in the book, it felt very restrictive and it felt like no progression and no changes were, were happening, which is why I'm a very strong supporter of grassroots movements in cycling being, you know, given a platform and being heard and being shouted about in order to make those kind of changes that hopefully people and brands and companies at the top will pay attention to. So, yeah, but um, I, I like I say, I hope it will be a very, very interesting read as soon as it's going to be like a project that's been going on for like two years. So, you it's know, like, oh it will be by the time the book comes out, it will be two years that wow. I've been doing this wow. for, which kind of feels crazy. But yeah, there's been points writing the book where it's been emotionally hard. Some of the stuff that I, I talk about. So talking about my depression, talking about growing up with a parent who has depression as well. All of that, even though it sounds like, what the hell has that got to do with cycling? It all makes sense when I'm talking about the path that I've ended up on and, you know, where life has, has taken me. And, you know, stuff like the stroke happening, slap bang in the middle of things looking like they were rosy in my life. And that just nearly literally stopped me dead in my tracks. So, you know, that gave me food for thought. And I talk about all of that. There are some amazing women that I've interviewed for the book as well, talking about them being you know, the the game changers that they are in, in the cycling industry and the fact that it's something to be celebrated as well and something for the fact that, you know, we're in 2018 or 2019 by the time the book comes out and it's like just recognise that this is happening in cycling. Like, you know, this this shouldn't be something where we're like, oh my God, wow, this is amazing. It's just like these these women who have been just kicking it basically have been there for all this time. So let's talk about this let's actually make this more of a a thing so yeah you're in it so <laughs> you know <laughs> are you in it yeah ah! with me. oh my gosh i had a lovely lovely interview with jenny for the book so very very it was almost excited. a year ago wasn't it yeah it was last summer sat out in the garden at look on my hands so everything comes it. around full circle <laughs> everything comes around full circle connected. <laughs> um i have a question about your writing because writing um, all these journals that you used to keep. Yeah. Did you ever want to be a writer when you were younger? Is this kind of one of your... Oh, do you know what? I saw myself actually being a barrister. That was my goal. That's what I wanted to be. I studied law at university. That's what the plan was supposed to be. And that did not happen. <laughs> as much as that's what I, I busted my ass doing, that did not happen. But 
It sounds like such a cliched thing to say, but I've always enjoyed writing. Um, my strongest points at both secondary school and A-level were English literature and English language. There's part of me that regrets the fact that I didn't do that as a degree, but it was like, I'm going to be the next Ron Pole of the Bailey, so this is what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> but um, no, it's just, it, it feels like, cliche alert, a dream come true to to be doing this. And I get one of my other biggest joys other than being on a bike is actually writing. So, you know, the the, the blog that existed before Velo City Girl, the journals in the, the boxes that have got everything that you can imagine in there as well. I'll still sit down and read through those journals. I'll cringe at some of the stuff that I've written about, but I'm just like, I'm really pleased that that I, I did this because some of that's actually been able to be pulled out and put into to this book as well. So... There's been joy coming from the writing. There's been pain, like I said, with some of the stuff that I've been been talking about. But it almost feels really sort of cathartic to have done this as well. So writing is very much an enjoyable thing for me. I can't believe you're already thinking about a second book. I know. <laughs> Just like, you I know. did though. When you finished no. yours, I was going to say, surely that must have been on your mind. No. Like, no? I, once I... St- sent in my manuscript I was like I don't want to see it <laughs> done with it I fucking hate this book I don't want to see it ever again <laughs> seriously only actually today my boyfriend's friend asked to see a copy of the book and I was yeah. like oh my god I don't have one I had to dig and I was like oh here's a copy where I had accidentally addressed it to the wrong person oh, <laughs> which is like my worst nightmare oh, no. um, I found it and then I started reading it today I was like oh it's actually pretty good like <laughs> Awesome. Your book is awesome. But I didn't I haven't read it for over a year. Yeah. Because it I didn't I was in it. You're yeah. In it. It's like you're swimming yeah, in like it too See, much. That's that's the crazy thing, because when I handed over the draft to my editor and I had this amazing break and it was so lovely because she was like working away on it and every now and then, like in the first sort of couple of weeks that she had it for I was like, I've got an idea. I need to write this down. I know I can't add it to the manuscript because she's already got it, but I'm going to write this down. And every time Rihanna, my editor, was like, no, because I'm doing the line edits. This is it. You stop now and we'll come back to this later. And, you know, my brain was just kind of going like, "Ah!" with it. And then there was a point where it's like, I don't have to sit in front of the laptop today. This is actually quite nice. I don't have to think about it. And then I would read over bits that I'd done and just where you were saying like oh this is terrible there were parts of me that I was reading it and I was just like what the fuck am I talking about here like this isn't making any sense but it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine just like leave it wait for it to, to leave come it. back you have well, to leave it yeah. 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 you come back to mm. it and you're like oh it's actually alright <laughs> it's not too bad <laughs> but yeah, you know, my, my, I'm looking forward to the first terrible review that happens if it or someone ripping it to there's pieces. There's always one. So. Just ignore them because yeah. it's the trolls. There's just one. Yeah, I had one. Oh no, I'm, it's fine. Yeah. I'm like because I was so paranoid. I had my book reviewed by three other mechanics. Ah, like, not copy editing, technical editing. Mm. I was like, check this, please, because I really don't want to deal with trolls. Mm. Um, yeah. And then only one person complained about the fact that I had a picture where a guy was undoing the crank bolt and the guy was like, he should be wearing gloves. That's very unsafe. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Is that, is that it? Is that <laughs> it? Yeah. Okay, that good. Like, that, that's what you're complaining about. We, oh. we got off lightly here. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's when you've made it. Mm. 
Mm. If you've got the trolls, <laughs> you're doing something good. You're, doing something good. <laughs> you're ruffling the feathers. Yeah. yeah. Ruffling the troll feathers. <laughs> I've had some in my time where I've made the mistake of like Googling my name to look for something. And then I found myself being ripped apart on a bike forum. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what I did to you guys. I'm really sorry that you feel that way. But, you know, it happened. I stay away from bike forums. Forums, forums mm. in, in good places. I won't go. They're mm. like swamps. It's just yeah. Like bad vibes. People slowly sinking. It's not good. <laughs> Grasping. Yeah, yeah, can't. Help me. And the others are like, no. Coming down, down to our down, level. Down. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> so I wanted to ask about race because we had our interview with Aisha mm-hmm. and we talked about like the advocacy work that she's doing. Mm. And then I realized, I was like, why are we only asking these questions to guests that are women of color? Mm. That's not fair at all. So it's going to become a thing where we're going to ask all our all our guests, like, what are you going to do to like get... Yes. Women of color onto bikes. Yes. Because it's everyone's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's we not the minority's it, yeah. responsibility. We even do it with women cycling. You find you ask other women. Yeah. What should we be doing? Yeah. I've had loads of events um, at Look Mum where they turn to the woman in the room and go, what should we be doing? Yeah. And you think, um, we should be asking everybody. Yeah. Because everybody is involved. Yeah. And actually the people with the power, you know, which tend to be the men. The gatekeepers. Um, they are yeah. the, the gatekeepers. So I really appreciate the fact that Number one, you've asked me the question anyway, but number two, that you're going to make it a thing that you're going to ask every other person or every other guest as well. Yes, so, future guests. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, be ready. Yeah, have your answers. Do your homework. <laughs> do something. Yeah, but, just do something. You know, this is something that me and Aisha had talked about in the two talks that we've done and something that we've talked about independently anyway in regards to being given a seat at the table to be able to have these these conversations. So... You know, it's not a case of people just being able to to tune in to talk to to people of color about, you know, what what do you think we should be be doing? I'll give you the information or I'll give you my viewpoint on it. It's, you know, I've said this before that I can't speak for every single black woman on a bike because our experiences will be different, but I can give you my opinion. But how about you open that out and have these conversations with other women as well, other people of color and actually get us to come in and have a seat at the table and do these conversations with you as opposed to you taking that information back and then trying to spit it out to your fellow gatekeepers and then not really getting it or not really being able to make that change. So it's a wider conversation that needs to happen and continue to happen Mm. as well. So, yeah, it can be tiring when people think that you're the only one that's got the answer for something or you're carrying that... You have the secret. Yeah, the secret or, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, that's it. I, I've got the magic answer to it. And it's like, I, I don't. I can tell you what I've experienced. I can tell you conversations that I've had with other women of colour who want to get into cycling or are cycling and still feel like it's not a comfortable space for them and the changes that they would like to see happen. But again, have a wider conversation. You've got to do it if you want to make changes or make changes that are actually going to have the proper domino effect as well. There was something Aisha brought up in our interview about there is no kind of support group is probably the wrong word. Mm. Just a forum. Yeah. Or a gathering. Yeah, a group. Mm. A group supporting women of Mm colour because people have different problems. Like for me, it's like I cannot find cycling glasses that will stay on my face 
just okay. fall down. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to find other Asian women who have the same. I think black women have similar issues as well. Like the wider you know, bridge, wider yeah. bridge mm-hmm. low bridge, and the glasses just won't stay on. Mm. So it's just like cycling with glasses is really fucking annoying. <laughs> Uh, but you no, know, things like that, yeah. as, as as superficial as that, or talking about other issues of dealing with harassment, you know. Mm. And Aisha's like, well, there is no group in London. I've looked, and I'm like, I wonder if we should start one. I sometimes feel like I've missed a trick, or I I must be like you know so buried in the sand that I'm not aware of groups like that that exist. And I think to myself, it's London. There has to be. There's got to be something. And in my eight years, I've not. There come across one. that so they can make it happen yeah. let's yeah. try mm. yeah try is the important word try here as well because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it goes wrong yeah. i think as long as we just try it and get talking to people yeah that's the first step mm-hmm. oh non-bike related question <laughs> i i have my now third tatty divine necklace so in proud my of possession. you thank you well it's, this is a gift from my boyfriend. Yes. Birthday present. Can I can you tell him when my birthday is? <laughs> I have a, a gold T-Rex skeleton hanging around my neck right so now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um it's great riding uh high vis yeah. on the road. Ah. <laughs> the light would just be bouncing yeah. off of it as well. Um, so they should add that in the advertisement. <laughs> just a, yeah, See, the version I have is not the mirror version. I've got the, the, the old... No, I've got the old matte gold one. So... You have a T-Rex too? Yeah. Oh, my God. The T-Rex, <laughs> T-Rex is... T-Rex yeah. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm, I'm going to do this while you're talking to me so that you can see. Because if you've never seen this before, you'll get an understanding of what my obsession or love with Tati Divine is actually like. So, again... Something that Jules has done that's got nothing to do with bikes is an account that I set up on Instagram a while ago called the Tatty Log, which is my catalogue of oh, Tatty Divine. Oh my gosh. Scroll at your will. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> but yeah, that was that's another one of my things that maybe I have an addictive personality. I don't know. Other than bikes. Multifaceted, you idiot. <laughs> Oh, oh, amazing. Oh, my God. We'll put a link below. <laughs> you're, uh, yeah, I'm you're following. Into <laughs> being a bit OTT. Wow. wow. That's something Jules. that actually keeps me quite calm when I do that because I have a mannequin at home that I pose the jewellery on, basically, and take a nice photo of it. And then I give a bit of a backstory about the piece, the collection that it belonged to, you know, the year that it came oh, out. That, so, yeah, there's the T-Rex. Yeah. So, oh. you know. So that one's a ma- Oh, yours is... Yeah, it's beaded. So yours has got um, jump got rings yeah. all the way through jump it. Jump rings. Te- technical terms. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're learning something new. <laughs> but when they first came out, it was all um, just threaded on one oh. one long piece of. It looks like those wire, dinosaurs so. used to get in those magazines for I kids. I collected that. Yeah. Yeah, and it glowed in the dark. So yeah. you built it up, and it was this T Rex that glowed. Yes. It was brilliant. So yeah. Turn that into a necklace. <laughs> no, that's basically what that necklace yeah. is. <gasps> wow. <laughs> It's very calming. There's something it quite is. satisfying. That is a I'm lot of fu- necklaces. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like <gasps> Do you store them in their original boxes? In the original they... boxes. There are some nice. that don't have their original boxes, which is a shame because I pick them up at like sample sales and eBay finds and stuff like that. But they're all in their boxes and they're in another wardrobe that I've got basically is just for the tatty. So it's all stacked up in there just and it's all labelled up so that I can find it. <laughs> 
Honey, I don't own any. Please go. Chill, chill. Let me on. <laughs> Are there any big rides, big events coming up on the horizon for you? There are no major rides, which sounds like a terrible thing to, to say, other That's than the cool. fact that I I kind of pulled back because of the whole thing with the book that's been keeping me busy and the fact that I haven't been out on a bike as much as I used to be. For me, it's just been taking the joy in doing things like having little rides by the seaside when I go to Sea Ian and South Sea or if it's just pootling to the shops and stuff like that. So it's been nice to just fall back in love with cycling on my own terms. So... As much as it would be brilliant to do something like a Leroyka again or something like that, there isn't that at the moment. I guess the, the future holds me doing Ride London again because I deferred my place this year because it was one of those things where I had to admit to myself this I'm not in the right frame of mind to take on 100 miles at this point. Even if I feel like I physically got it in me mentally, it wasn't going to happen. So long as I've done the deferral right, I should be doing that next year. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen between now and the end of the year. So there could be something. But just getting my ass back on the saddle at the moment is bringing me joy. Great. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you like what we do, squish that like Like, button, rate rate us on iTunes and subscribe. subscribe. If you can't give us your money... Give us your stars. And don't forget to slam that share button and tell all your podcast listening and perhaps also cycling friends about our show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 